everyone, you're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. We're talking about sex. That's why you're here. It freaks some people out. Some are like, you know what? I'm not sure I'm going to church today because I know they're talking about sex again. That's okay. Yet sex is mentioned throughout Scripture. Lisa and I did a 24-hour bed-in last week. We did not have sex. No. No. But we did a bed-in to make a statement. It wasn't a stunt, but a statement. God is pro-sex. He thought it up. It was his idea. And if you'll go on to thesexperiment.com, thesexperiment.com, you can watch some highlights of some amazing interviews that that we did. But there was a problem during this experiment. What was it? Well, not during this experiment, during the bed-in. Oh, I'm sorry. Wow. No, not during this experiment. During during the bed-in. Come on. No, I meant during the bed-in. I'm getting my words mixed up. I'm sorry. During the bed-in, we didn't realize that the lights, the sun, the white bedspread were causing Ed and I to get extremely sunburned, and our eyes were... Our corneas got burned, and, and it was a real serious thing. Ed could not open his eyes, and so we're still dealing with a little bit of that. Ed's vision is not back to what it was, so this week we're actually going to go to, back to the ophthalmologist to get some vision testing for both of us because we need to make sure that our vision is good. Yeah, who would have thought that being on the rooftop in a bed, talking to cameras and answering questions and doing some interviews and things would, would cause cornea damage, yet it did. We're told, though, our eyes are coming back, so I'm happy about that. They're coming back slowly, but we're going to get that vision test just to make sure. The thing is the vision test. Now, what we want to make sure of today in this installment is that we have the proper vision for our marriages. Perhaps there's some hearing my voice that needs a vision test for your relationships, a vision test for your marriage, and that's what we're going to unpack and discuss today. What's the vision for marriage? Does God have a vision for marriage? Or is it just about a man and a woman falling in love, becoming engaged, planning a wedding, pretty flowers, beautiful dress, lots of friends gathered, and just a couple, some words before a minister or a judge, and then that's it. No, that's not it. In fact, God has a tremendous vision for every single relationship, every single marriage, every single life on earth. And that's something that students and singles especially need to grasp because for far too long, the church has just said when it comes to intimacy and sex, no, 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 no. Well, God says no in certain areas. He gives us prohibitions, yet we've so hyper-focused on the prohibitions, we've missed the purpose that God has for our sexuality, for marriage. The vision is big. God's purpose is powerful. In fact, the scripture says in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. We love to talk about vision. What is vision? Seeing the unseen. We think about God's vision for our lives. We think about God's vision, if you're single, for dating relationships. When we talk about vision and vision, it's about the vision. We forget, though, the last part of that verse. People perish. Yeah, people perish. Marriages perish. That's right. Dating relationships perish. Our purity can perish. If 
we ignore the vision that God has for us. So today as we do this vision test, as we unpack what God's vision for marriage is, we have to commit to following the vision, living out the vision so that we can keep our marriages, our relationships, our lives, our purity from perishing. And basically it's a contract versus a covenant. You know, we're a, a contract crazy society. A contract says you keep your end of the deal and, and everything's cool. And, and then I'll keep mine of the deal and everything is, is fine. Well, if you don't do what you said you're going to do, if I don't do what I said I'm going to do in the contract, we bolt, we call in the lawyers to pick up the pieces. Marriage is not a contract. It's a covenant. A covenant says it's 100% my part, 100% his part. It's a vow that we take before friends, yes, in a wedding ceremony or whatever, but it's a vow that we make before God. So we cannot forget the vow, the commitment, the covenant that we've made before God to live with each other, to love each other, to be committed to each other in this thing called marriage. Do you realize the word covenant in the Bible means to cut? To cut? And the picture behind it is a beautiful one. If two parties, back in biblical times were cutting a covenant, they would take an animal, carve the animal in pieces, walk through the animal, thereby saying, hey, if we break the covenant, God, you do to us what we've done to this animal. Wow. That's how serious God is about a covenant. It's not a contract. It's not, okay, you do your part, I'll do mine. No, no, it's a covenant. And that's a beautiful thing. And the thing, thing is, Lisa, we think about sex, we think about marriage, yet I don't think we think deeply enough about it, just, just by virtue of just what, what, what we talked about, the covenant, it's huge. God has a great vision for every person's life, even, I'll say it again, your sexuality. In Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse 12, it says, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. So if you feel that your relationships or your marriage is hanging by a thread, it's a simple solution. Maybe simple in words, but sometimes hard to live out. But God will provide a way for you to live it out. If you and your spouse will make Jesus the center of it all, he's that third strand that holds it all together, then you will be a strand, a cord that is not easily broken. And your marriage can go from hanging by a thread to being a strong cord that can bind the enemy, can take down anything that comes your way. Now, most people live life and we're thinking about the next season and all that and what's next and what's coming next. And most people, 90% of all singles will get married. They'll say, okay, I'm going to get married one day. I'll go online or I'll do this or that. I'll meet somebody. Yet, once again, we find that people are not thinking deeply enough about marriage. Why marriage? Have you ever thought about that? Why marriage? Well, obviously... It's a God thing. Why marriage? What is the vision for marriage? Have you ever thought about that? Well, uh, I don't know. Marriage helps us in our society, and it helps us in the family unit. We have kids, and it's the building block of our, of our world, our family. And uh, from, a, from a sociological and anthropological uh, standpoint, it's... Uh, Come on, man. Actually, Ephesians 5 breaks it down. As my friends used to say, man, please. <laughs> it's deeper than that. Say it with me. Man, please. 
I'll say it with some soul. One, two, three. Not man, please. Let's do it. Man, please. Man, say, please. There you go. You got it. Just relax. Yeah, relax. Man, Just please. Relax. But this is based on Ephesians 5. It's very simple. Ephesians chapter 5 breaks it down for us about what the threefold vision for marriage is. The first one is it's for our protection. It's to bring unity. It's about that strand that's not easily broken. That's the, the covenant. Yeah. And see the beauty? You've got the content, sex. It's multifaceted, multidimensional. It's big, big sex. That's what God is. He's about big sex. Content, the context, the marriage bed. Husband and wife, period. Selah. Unity. No escape clauses, no fine print. The result will discover our destiny. If we take the content, sex, out of context, the marriage bed, the result is gonna be chaos. I remember when that lady, Lisa, flew us down to this island. She arranged for us to speak pretty much to the entire island, do some radio stuff and everything. When we got there, she also arranged for us to do some snorkeling in, in, in this beautiful, beautiful water. Now, Baptists would call this water crystal clear. Methodists would call it gin clear. So we... Some of you will get that later. What? So we went out in this boat, and before we hit the water, you know, I asked the guy who was with us, hey, I mean, do you have to watch out for anything? Sharks, etc." He said, oh, no, man, very few sharks here. The sharks outside of the reef. They're outside of the reef. You protected here, man. So we swam around and snorkel. We're like, you know? That's marriage. Now, every once in a while. That's marriage. It's inside shark, the reef. Yeah, but a little shark could come in, but we had to be, you know, we're watchful of that. We're watchful. We were protected by the reef. We weren't paranoid. No. Because paranoia will destroy you. That's right. So the first part of this vision is our, it's for our protection. The second one is, is it's for his reflection, for, to reflect God in our marriages. We have an opportunity as a married couple to put God in front of the people in our, in our world. Marriage is the only relationship that's analogous to God's relationship to his people. So we have the opportunity to reflect that in our culture. When I look at you, reflected back is me at my best and me at my worst. And the Bible I, says our eyes are the windows of our soul. And that's the same They're for me. They're a mirror. Yeah, same, same with Lisa. Thing. Could it be the reason that marriages are so disposable is that we look and we see reflected back who we are. We don't like who we are. So we trade in our spouse for a wealthier model or a younger model. But guess what? After a couple of years, we're still dealing with the same crap. Every marriage, let me just talk to you, deals with the same junk. I don't care if you're a billionaire or on welfare. Every, mar every marriage deals with the same junk. But the reason we want to bolt is because it's too revealing. Yep, it's too hard. I think about our 30 years of marriage, and then I think back on our first three years. And now, then you know Lisa's a cougar. She's 51, I'm 50. You know that. Rob the cradle. 
Uh, excuse me, until March, I'm a cougar. Okay. March 16th, I am no longer a cougar. He'll turn 51, and it's just, nah, yeah. But I don't mind. I don't mind being a cougar. The older and wiser of the two. That's the truth. That is the, <laughs> uh, that's a okay. fact. So I look back over our first three years, which were very tumultuous. I mean, Ed and I make no mistake about sharing mm -hmm. with people that we should have gotten more wise counsel before we got married. Yep. We made a mistake in that. The problems that we had those first three years of marriage are the exact same problems that we're having in our 30th year of marriage. Is that a They're pain? Think ones. about that. Marriages, I mean, what you're dealing with now, you're going to deal with for the rest of your life and your I marriage. I hate to rain on your parade the if you've only is. been married for a short time. It's going to be the same stuff. Those things that just drive you crazy, guy, girl, that thing just, it's, it's, it's still going to be there. But you know what the great news is? You're going to know how to deal with it better. It's like our it's, hormones kind of trick us into getting married in a way. What is that? Not bad. I mean, you know, you, you know what I'm saying? Not in a bad way. <laughs> God set it up that way. I'm not... I, they, they kind of pull a fast one on us, in a way, don't they? And that relates to... I don't know, I just... Okay. <laughs> okay, so... The, Thought about it. The three basic things that cause conflict in marriage, PMS, power, money, sex. Whoa, Those three okay. things. Those are the same three things that cause problems at your first year, your third year, your power seventh issues. year, Power issues. Who's going to run the show? Who's going to call the shots? Money. One's but, a spender, one's a saver, one's this, one's that. Sex, when, one's in the mood, one's out of the mood. But when time passes, you learn how to deal with it better. God gives you the strength to deal with these situations, and they're just not as big a deal as they were back in the day when you're first married. You're so tense, you're so testy. It just becomes a little less serious. And so, yes, you're dealing with the same things, but God uses this all to show refinement, how he wants to um, bring us into that reflective process so we reflect our marriages. Reflect so Lisa him. has made me better, and hopefully I've made Lisa better as iron sharpens iron. Which is our third That's third right, the one. third one. What is it? It's for your perfection. Perfection. I am a more patient woman today than I was 30 years ago. Ed is a more patient man today right. than he was. And I, and I, you know what? I plan better, and I, I, I think through things a lot better today than I did back in the day because you plan better, and, and you're and more am, of a strategic thinker. And I'm where more am I'm kind of yeah. I, I can, I, I'm more flexible. I'm more willing to say, okay, well, yeah, that's fine. We Let's can do change it. this. Let's we change. Know that. Yeah. So, I like to change just to change. And I like to plan just to plan. But we've ref we, it works together for our refinement. We're improving one another. Our, our forgiveness quotient has been raised. That's right. All of these things work together. God uses them to help us sharpen one another. Yes. So that's the vision. Now listen. And see, I don't think people think that about marriage again. Let's just get married. Well, it's more than that. It's and, so and, much and, more yeah, than that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, so it's much nice more than that. But where there's a vision, there's always a vision vandal. That is huge. Did John, you hear that? I like to say that again. Where there's a vision, there's always a vision vandal. That's the and tweet it, of the day. Tweet that, tweet that, tweet that. And where you have God's vision, the evil one will always have 
a van, be the vandal and he will have a counterfeit. John 10, 10 says, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. I have come that you might have my vision for your life, my vision for your relationships, my vision for your marriage. But the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy that very vision that I want to build into your life. So we have to be aware. First, I love what 1 Peter 5, 8 says in the Message Bible. Keep a, Pick up a Message Bible. It's a really cool translation. If you don't have a Message Bible, get one. It, it's, it's, you know, it's close to the literal languages, yeah. and it's just conversational, and I, I just love it, okay. the Message Bible. I think Keep, we have them in the source, don't we? Yes, yeah, we, we have got them it. in the source. Everything is in the, the source. source. 1 Peter 5.8, keep a cool head, stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. The devil would like nothing better than for us to be asleep to the vision that God has for us. So it's time to wake up. No one needs to sleep in a lion's den. Maybe Daniel could. Yeah, Daniel did Daniel it. did by divine power, but we cannot be sleeping because the Bible says that the devil is like a pouncing lion. That's a and scary verse. It's this very scary verse. Ed and I were in Africa a couple years ago, and we got to go to um, this lion park and see the lions. And this gentleman um, who raised these lions from babies said, you know, I can go in this, this uh, area and I can wrestle with them. And, and it was a huge area. It wasn't like a little cage. We're talking no, a we're massive, talking massive uh, amounts of land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enclosure. But he said, I will never, ever turn my back on a lion, even if it's one that I've raised since they were born, because you cannot trust that he will not attack. In fact, he said, I can assure you that he will attack the moment I turn my back. So if we act like nothing's happening and, and there's no enemy that's wanting to destroy our marriages, if we turn our back on that thought, right. we're setting ourselves up for an attack. So don't be a napping person who's not aware, but be someone who's wide awake looking for what God wants to build, but what Satan wants to take down. Well, this October, we were in Bloemfontein, South Africa, speaking at a conference. We met this gentleman who we found out is one of the top lion guides. He takes these big game hunters all around to go after lions. I wouldn't do that, but I know some people like to. Anyway, he said he took this guy out from Russia and they, they, they tracked this, this ginormous male lion, you know, and, and, and they, they, he was saying, you never break the plane of the horizon because the lions see that and you're lion bait, lion bait, lion bait. Well, the guy from Russia got all nervous. He saw a big one. He stood and when he stood, the lion turned and looked and began the charge. Well, the Russian freaked out, peed in his pants. Pop, 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 he's shooting at the sky. Our friend that we got to know at the conference had a backup gun. And he waited, he waited, the guy from Russia just choked. Obviously, I mean, I would choke too, wouldn't you? A lion charging you? Well, our friend at about 10 feet away, boom, got one shot off. The lion grabbed him, and our friend weighs 250, grabbed his thigh, grabbed his arm, picked him up like a rag doll, took him out to the bush to eat him. He dropped him and was just getting ready to finish him off. He collapsed on top of him. This guy had shot him on the top of the head. So the shot that he got off finally took, you know, really got him. And so as, so as Christians, don't be so scared. You, you wet yourself here. 
But you gotta, you gotta know there is a personal sinister force who is ready and prepared to pounce and to take you down. And if you don't believe it, look at the statistics. The research is revealed, the raw and real, about even, quote, Christian marriages, unquote. So, so, so we're not playing, you know, Trivial Pursuit or Candyland, my favorite game. We have to be on the offensive. Let's, let, we're aware that Satan wants to do something in our marriages. He wants to destroy them, attack them, whatever. But let's be on the offensive and build in um, the great stuff that God wants to build in our marriages. And how do we, uh, and listen to, how do we do that? How do we say, okay, here's a threefold purpose. We understand the enemy is coming after us. And, and you know, again, we, we shouldn't freak, but we should be, you know, wise as, as, as wise as serpents. <laughs> Harmless as dove. Ah! So we've got to do that. Yet we have to follow these biblical principles. I call them successful steps to an amazing marriage. You like that word? Successful. I thought you would. I can tell you do. I can hear the applause right now everywhere. People are going crazy. It will help you succeed. There's seven steps. Yes. Number one, have a spouse-centric relationship. Revolve your life around your spouse, not your kids, not your career, not extracurricular activities. Revolve yourself around your spouse. But our world says it's about the kids the and the kids playing select and the kids and the kids. Oh, the kids. Spouses stay, That's kids right. leave. Whatever stage you're in right now, God is preparing you for the next phase of your life. So Did you if hear you're that? single... God's preparing you for the next phase Singles, of your life. Singles, if you don't think this stuff is for you, you're smoking some weird stuff. Man, if I'm, if I'm single, if I'm a junior or high school student, I'm all up in this stuff. I'm like just taking notes. I'm, I'm like, Because wow. you're being prepared. God's preparing you for the next phase of your life. If you're married and maybe don't have any children yet, you're newly married, God's preparing you right now for the next phase of your life. If you have small children, he's preparing you for the next phase. If you're like Ed and I, having older children, he's preparing you for the next glorious phase of the empty nest. It's woohoo! That's right. So Amen. Just, just know that God's preparing you for that next phase. And it's all about keeping the spouse as the central point in your relationship. And you know what? Kids, keeping intimacy at a distance successfully. Kids, when you think about kids, they are the result. They are the result of you guys making love, yet the result of lovemaking can keep us from lovemaking. That's right. Number two, have regular date night, mate nights. Date, date night, mate night. If you have trouble keeping your spouse is the number one thing, you know Say what? Say it real quick. Date, date night, night, mate night. Commit to a date night, mate night. Because that will be the oasis in the middle of your relationship, in the middle of your week, in the middle of all the hectic stuff. Because if you commit to that date night, mate night, you will have more of, of an opportunity and a success plan for keeping your spouse as the number one thing. Number three, remember special occasions and keep them holy. So you may live long in the land the Lord has given you. That sounds kind of trite, but... It, one of the ways that we treasure our spouse is by recognizing those special occasions, birthdays, but more importantly, anniversaries. It doesn't have to, you don't have to break the bank, you don't have to, you know, spend a lot of money, do all that, but you do need to think because this is a celebration of your covenant relationship. I remember I was, I was mentoring vows. this guy one time and 
over some years and told him about date night, mate night, and these things, and saw some improvement when we started. His marriage was in the deep weed, so we saw some real, real growth. And one day I just said, man, today's your anniversary. What do you have planned? And this guy looked at me, he said, I don't know. I go, what? I don't know. I said, you've got to be kidding. You've got to be kidding. Of all the stuff we've been through and we've cried through and I've Anyway. We should celebrate. Yes. One of the things that Ed does that I just love is that Thank you. He, he's real into music, and, and he has these songs on his um, iPhone. And he when we go out on a date or, like, for our anniversary or something, we, he will have the music playing that we listened to when we first started dating. I can remember the first time Ed ever called me, May 26th. May 20, I'm sorry, May 21st, 1976. Most weren't even born. Look at me like, 5.30 in the afternoon. It was yeah. one of the best days of my life. Seriously. And the number one song when yeah, we started Yeah, the number one dating, song that week, number one, Miss Diana Ross, Love Hangover. How many people have ever heard of Love Hangover? You, very few. Yeah. I got the sweetest hangover. I don't, don't want to get, get over. over. Sweetest hangover. Bum on, yeah. I I don't want to. It's great, man. Diana. <laughs> Michael Jackson always wanted to sing like Diana Ross, but he never could. She. Yeah, seriously. Another one yeah, was Paul, Paul McCartney's "Silly Love Songs," and he'll just play that when Sir I get Paul in the McCartney. car. Sir Paul McCartney. So that's not that's not a huge deal, but it means the world. It didn't cost him anything, maybe a download from iTunes or something, but it was it's very simple, but it's a thoughtful way that he recognizes a special time in our lives. So it's really cool. Okay, number four. You do this one. Yeah. Number four basically says, speak about your spouse with words of honor. In other words, marriage should be a place. You talk to people, Lisa, who, who mess up in marriage. Usually they say, oh, he wants me. She wants me. It should be a place where we know that we're wanted. Not that you feel that way 24-7. You're not going to feel it all the time. But it should be a place that, that we're wanted. You're well, appreciated. You're wanted. Yeah, we need to encouraged. talk and, and have eye contact. We, 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 we did an interview with a shock jock in New York. What's this today? Week. I don't know. Today's Sunday. It was, it was Friday. Yeah. It was Friday. And, and you know what this guy told us? He said, man, I've discovered that very few married couples look at their spouse in the eyes anymore. And I thought, man, that's Because the eyes are the windows deep of for your a shock soul. jock, you know? You give, you yeah. give each other credibility you do. and honor when you look at each other in the eyes. And but, so sometimes, you know, I like to joke around, imitate people. At least when I joke around, I'll sometimes, you know, joke her. But sometimes I can just take the joking a little too far. Just a little bit. Um, now, first, let me just preface this by saying everybody should know how to laugh at themselves. Yeah. Ed and I laugh People a lot. take themselves too seriously, and they don't take God seriously enough. And we... Are, Isn't that true? We are quick to laugh, at, laugh ourselves at ourselves about silly things that we do. If somebody laugh the, at somebody. One of the things that I've done my whole life is I get words and phrases messed up. And I don't understand. Lisa still goes for the phrases, and she gets the phrases backwards 
Like I'll say half the time. You know, instead of cold as ice, I'll say, "Oh, it's cold as wood." Yeah. Not to say that wood can't be cold, but it's just not really the way the phrase goes. Or instead yeah, of or saying, you're, you're as smart as a snake. No, you're as smart as a whip. Yeah. Or so like I just that, get you know? phrases mixed up sometimes. Well, this week we were in, and I laugh about that. It's kind of funny. And yeah. So anyway, we, this week we had an opportunity to be with my mom and sister and some family for a couple of Let days. Let me stop here. Something I should have written about, at least I should have written about in the book. How do you deal with in-laws? Well, it's the 48-hour rule. I think you should be around your in-laws for like 48 hours, then you're gone. You, you, think about it. I know it sounds cruel, but think about it. Everything goes crazy usually after 48 hours. First 48, there's a show called The First 48. I think it should be about in-laws. The first 48 is great, but after that, people hate. The first 48 is great, but after that, people hate. So just okay. remember that. Okay. So People are like, I'm going on vacation. Really? Yeah, I'm, we're, we're, we're going to see my parents. <sighs> vacation? You're going to need a vacation after that. Need some counseling. Be sweet. I mean, I love you. I love your family. Don't get me wrong, but I was ready to go after about 48 hours. My mom loves I, and, so and, and, and No, seriously, I love, I love, we love our families. I'm just saying. No, it's true. It's true. It's I agree written, with that. Don't quote me like Ed said 48 hours. But I mean, I'm just saying that. Just think about it. You watch. Okay. Back to the point. Um, we were visiting my family, and um, we went to lunch at one of our favorite places in Columbia, South Carolina. It's called Andy's Deli. It's a hole in the wall, but this is a place where Ed and I have gone since we were dating. And if so you're ever in Columbia, South Carolina, go to Five Points, Andy's Deli. It'll make you slap your mama. The food is so good. They have this dipping sauce in the sandwiches, but it is dirty. I hope Andy's watching this. Andy, clean your restaurant. I mean, you've made millions and millions of dollars. Just use a little bit to get some new carpet. The place is nasty. You know what I'm saying? It is. I don't even want to look at the kitchen. It's nasty. But we go there every time we Somebody, go. Somebody, you know what? I'm, I'm kind of a bold guy. I might just tell them that next time I'm there. Okay, so anyway. So while we were sitting there with part of my family, not everybody was there, Ed proceeded to tell a story about how I had messed a phrase up. And a couple of weeks ago when we started the series on experiment, um, I mentioned, I said, yeah, Ed and I, and I said it just with such strength and, you know, like confidence. I just said, yeah, we're just regular old blue-blooded Americans. And I stopped and you goes, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the message and I corrected you kindly. Yeah. I said, honey... We're not blue-blooded blue Americans. Blue-blooded Americans means you've grown up with wealth. We did not grow up with wealth. And, and we're red-blooded yeah. Americans. And then I said, words, oh, yeah, we're red-blooded yeah. Americans. But I definitely got the phrase wrong. You know what? I just keep going for it. I figure I have a 50-50 chance of getting it right. <laughs> so I say these things, and I know I shouldn't, but I do. And I just roll the dice and risk it. But anyway, so he shared with our family, and they were just like, because <laughs> they know me. They know that I've always gotten phrases yeah, wrong my funny. whole life. And I laughed and everything. It was really cool. But then at dinner that night, the whole family was there. And Ed's like, wow, I've got a crowd. I think I'll tell that story again. It went oh, over yeah. really funny. You give me a crowd, I'm going to go for the story again. So he told the story again. And I'm like, ha, ha, ha. And everybody died laughing Everybody's too. laughing. Oh, yeah, they loved it. And I'm just it. like, wow, that's so cool. But at least um, I could tell. She was like giving me a courtesy laugh. Like, <laughs> So that night in the privacy of our room. I was I, getting ready to kiss her. And she goes, oh, wait. 
I, well, you know, I did not address him right there in front of everybody, cause a big deal, like, you hurt my feelings, I'm not going to eat, blah, 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 blah. You know, I just waited, got in the privacy of our room, and I said, what you said, you know, the first time it was funny, second time, it's just like, enough is enough. That was not honoring to me, and I really don't appreciate it. He was quick to apologize. Of course, I had just said that if you don't say you're sorry, I'm not going to speak with you this coming weekend. So, anyway... <laughs> I did not. No, you didn't. I did not. Hey, Alan, you know, I just found this. I was listening to you, but the 48-hour rule. Were you listening I, to I me? can't. Be doing the Bible I want to give you some biblical ammunition for this. I'm telling you, Exodus chapter 18, just put this down. Jethro, <laughs> Moses' father-in-law, went to visit him, and I think he stayed like 48 hours because the last verse, I promise you, in chapter 18, check it out. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way. <laughs> And Jethro returned to his own country. I told you. I told you. <laughs> okay. So, number five. Number five. That's incredible. This is a very, very strong, important one that everybody needs to download. Install a purification system. We're talking about keeping your life, your mind, your heart, your marriage clean and pure. The way God wants it to be. And that's, this book is about pure sex, but also it's about make sure to install the purification systems because we talk about the sexual revolution begins with you and me. First of all, it begins in heaven and it segues into you and me. Okay, the sexual revolution in the 60s was basically an illusion followed by worldwide pollution. All you got to do is travel the world, you'll see the pollution. Well, God's solution to the pollution is a purification system. So we have to think about, okay, how are we going to handle certain situations? How do you handle traveling alone? How do you handle a business lunch with a member of the opposite sex? What do you do if you have to visit with someone and, and you know, behind closed doors of the opposite sex? What are the things, what are the boundaries, what are the parameters that you need to install? Ed and I have thought about that, and we know the value of those decisions for our marriage. Advanced planning. Advanced planning. Ed and I do not have lunch or any meal with someone of the opposite sex alone. We do not ride in a car with someone of the opposite sex alone. If Ed travels, he travels with someone. Usually it's me, but we try very hard to do that. When we go to a hotel, we have the channels removed that are you know, dangerous to our relationships and keeping our mind pure. So we, we take those steps. It's not that difficult. Now, perhaps you're in the business world. You cannot mm -hmm. make those same commitments. You do need to have lunch with a, uh, someone of the opposite sex. And, and, and that's okay, but you need to have strategic ways that you keep your conversation about the business deal, not anything emotional or about um, personal parts of your, your marriage or your personal aspects of that. And always connect yourself with your spouse when you're talking to a member of the opposite sex. Ed does this so beautifully. Are you picking up what we're laying Whenever down? he's talking with someone, he yes. always mentions my name. He says, yes. my wife Lisa enjoys that as well. Or I will do the same thing, bring up my husband. And he also, if he's talking with someone, will bring up their spouse and say, I'm, it was so great to see, you know, whoever. That's so important because it takes everything to a different level of purification. So that's number five. Number six, satisfy your spouse sexually. The Bible calls it fulfillment. Fulfillment. Fulfill now, your big, marital duty, the Bible is, says. This is something that, you know, people are bashful to talk about, 
but we have to be raw and, and see, real. And see, here's what I don't understand. Most, most people, when it, when, when it comes to this topic, most people, when it comes to this experiment, overwhelmingly have been positive. Yes. Yet the, the criticism that we've received, believe it or not, has not come from the world. It's come from people who call themselves Christians. I'm like, you have got to be joking. I don't really respond to it, but I'm saying, you've got to be kidding me. You're going to let, you're going to let the culture hijack sex and talk about frequency and talk about this and that and all of these things, yet we're going to be silent. But most of the time about, they're talking about frequency, exactly. not in marriage. Not in marriage. And and so, let's, let's talk about frequency in marriage. Meet your spouse's needs. First Corinthians 7, Paul is writing to the yes. church of Corinth. And the church of Corinth had every type of crazy thing going on about sex. Oh, my goodness. They were so ill-informed about God's view of sex. You had those who were saying sex is evil. You had others yep. saying sex should be something we enjoy but promiscuous outside of marriage. So we have to think about this and understand that God has a special um, enjoyment yes. for, for sex inside of marriage. So we cannot be shy to talk about frequency. And Paul said that we should not deny one another except for mutual agreement, mutual prayer and fasting. So sex should be something that's enjoyed on a regular basis. It's okay to basis. say no, but no with an appointment. We call it the 24-hour rule. No tomorrow morning. No tomorrow evening. Not just no, no. But no. Not that, we because that, Lisa, too, that, that can damage self-esteem, reje confidence, rejection. Constant rejection. When you said, I do, you're saying, I will. Do it with you. With you. And so <laughs> it's, it's, it's a pleasure to be able to give pleasure to your spouse. How often? Dr. Minrith from the Minrith Clinic, through medical studies, has Look said Look how quiet everybody is. We said, how often? says that a, a man... Don't miss this, honey. A man should have a sexual release every three days. Now, we're not saying, okay, that's that not means rule. you're supposed to have it's sex not like, every three day days. Day three, okay. You know, it's, it's not that. Don't... But what we no. are saying is that you need to have conversations. You need to talk about this. The yes. number one way to have sexual fulfillment in your marriage is to all of those things that we've given you so far, but to discuss what brings pleasure to your spouse and to talk about that and then practice what you talk about. Mm -hmm. So frequency is important. For far too long, we've been looking to, on the other side of the fence, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence instead of watering our own lawn. Oh, that's good Let's right there. Fertilizer. That'd be the best place to clap fertilizer that I can think yard. about. We're talking I'll about for that. marriages. And you know what, too? We, this is really gross, but we have the, what's it called, the septic? I don't think that illustration works. It makes sense to me. I know it does. Okay. It doesn't make sense to me. It makes sense to me. Okay. We have the septic. Uh, it's aerobic system. Aerobic system where this is gross, but the it's not sprinklers. Gross. It's refurbished re to recycled, recycled water. Recycled water. water. Septic water. Okay. <laughs> now, this is gross, but around those sprinklers, even though the grass is brown, it's green around those And the point sprinklers. is. Sprinklers. Well, here's the point. The point is, this makes sense to me. If you have ADD, you'll be like, oh, yeah, man, I'm, man, I'm with you. All right. You should water 
your marital grass. I understand that. Green, fertile. We sometimes look over the fence, and, and even though the grass is brown, we see a green patch over there, but, but the green patch is recycled sewer water. That makes sense, doesn't it? You think it's green, you get over there. <laughs> that makes sense to me. Sometimes okay. I just say stuff that makes sense okay. to me. And all right, I'm going to tell you something. This makes t no sense at all. Sense. But remember the time we had the Easter egg hunt for some of the staff kids at our house, and I oh. didn't think about the the uh, septic thing, and I put the Easter eggs over there. Oh, and all the little horrible. kids were over there, and oh, they were getting spray. the eggs. And all of a sudden, yeah, <laughs> I was terrible. Like, terrible. get out, get out, quick, get out. It was terrible. Okay, that's enough. Number seven. You know what we found today <laughs> in our yard? One of our dogs, I hate, hate this, killed a skunk. And he's one of our, you know, we have giant dogs. And Boca, he just, he's the only one that lets the skunks just totally spray him. The other dogs, the Doberman and Connie Corsa, they're smart. They're like, man, I'm staying away from that black and white animal. Well, Boca just comes right in. And he just. He got sprayed by a skunk. Oh, he yeah. just. Don't let a skunk in your yard in your marriage. How's that? There you go. Okay. Number it works. Seven. Number, Number seven. seven. Crash through quitting points. There's, Crash through them. And we'll fly by this one. Marriages are hanging by a thread. And so often the, you just think, you know what, just let it break. Every marriage, is, we, we've had moments we want to quit. Points. You've wanted to quit before. But we have to think. Everybody has. Not about our feelings, but about our commitment. That's good. That's Yesterday good. when I went to work out, I did not That's good. Feel, yes, thank you for that clap. I Somebody. did not feel like working out yesterday, but Ed and I have made a commitment that we're going to work out a certain number of times a week. We're really trying to, you know, to be disciplined in this. And I knew that I had to work out. And literally the commitment was putting my tennis shoes on, yep. getting the workout stuff on. And once I got on that elliptical, even though I didn't feel like it, it was like, once I started, things started kicking in. I guess those endorphins or yes, whatever you, started kicking in. And then I started more and more feeling like it. And I actually went longer than I th had planned on. But that's what we need in our marriages. Don't feel your way into the commitment. If I went based on feelings, I wouldn't have worked out yesterday. But I did it on commitment. So if you feel that your marriage is hanging by a thread, you mm -hmm. need to remember the commitment that God has given to you. That if you and your spouse will make Jesus the center of it all, that thread will become a cord with God at the center that is strong. And you can crash through the quitting points. Now, we know that there's certain things in, that people are dealing with in marriages that are exceptions, but there are so few exceptions in the grand scheme right. of those who choose to end their marriages. There are exceptions, There are some, but most of the time it's based on one spouse saying, I've had enough. I don't feel it anymore. So crash through those quitting points. Go back to the commitment that you made, the vow of covenant and God will restore your marriage and make you and your spouse a strong thread. And listen, when it comes to, to sex, too, think about this, okay? Let's say the woman is in the mood, the wife's in the mood, the guy's not. The guy's you know, kicking back, you know, watching some football game or basketball game or a baseball game, a golf tournament, whatever. You know, we're sitting back and all of a sudden something great happens. Wow! Did you see that? Baby, I thought you were too tired. And then the woman's like, oh, I, I'm just so tired. I'm just so you tired. Just I need don't to know. have, the kids I need to have me some today. me time. I need to, and, and, you know, she, she's asleep. And, the and phone all of a rings. sudden the phone rings. And they, hey, Carl, 
How you doing? Yes. I saw that show. I can't. Yeah. It happens. That's, that's, you know, we, we base our, our response to our spouse on feelings, but it's about being committed to doing marriage the way God wants us to, to recognizing the vision that he has and living it out every single day. Don't allow the evil one, the lion, to pounce on your relationships, on your marriage, and steal what God intended, that beautiful vision for marriage. That's right. Take the provision for the vision, and God will do some amazing things in your life. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for this time that we've had to share, for the laughter, for the serious thoughts that many of us need to live out and change in our lives. I thank you, God, that you are the center of so many relationships in this place. And I pray, that, Father, that for those who are just hanging by a thread, that you would do a miracle in their hearts and their lives. Perhaps there's someone here today who has never asked Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, to be the center of it all. All it takes is a simple prayer, a simple prayer that has very magnificent and extraordinary implications. Just say this to yourself, say, Dear God, I know that I've messed up and I've failed you in so many different ways, but I also know that you love me and you desire a relationship with me, so much so that you sent your only son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life, die a sacrificial death, and rise again to cover my sins so that I could be your son, your daughter. I receive what he did on the cross. I turn my, from my old self and I want to walk anew and afresh with you. If you prayed that prayer, it's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And Jesus will be the center of your life, the center of your relationships, the center of it all. And God will do amazing things. Thank you, Father, for what you have done, what you're doing right now, and what you're going to do in the future because we're trusting you with everything we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.